Welcome to The Josh Ryan Show, a weekly podcast where I sit down and chat with highly successful digital entrepreneurs, experts, and creators to uncover their stories, secrets, and lessons that they've learned along the way to help you with your own projects. Let's get into today's interview. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I am joined by Harry, who is a graphic designer turned digital entrepreneur who's built his audience on Instagram from zero followers up to over 200,000 people. Uh, You've launched a successful course, built a pretty cool agency. Welcome to the podcast, man. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for the introduction, Josh. No worries. So for those that don't know you, can you introduce yourself a little bit more? Tell us a bit more about what you do nowadays. Of course. As you've mentioned, I've been able to create a pretty good agency for myself. My agency has been around for seven years, even before my social media presence turned out online. But I managed to turn my passion for helping others into a full-blown career for myself. And I'm quite proud that I was also able to build a name for my personal brand as well. Because it's one thing helping other people accomplish success on social media is entirely different thing doing it yourself. We tend to be yeah. a perfectionist, even when we're working, working with clients, but when you're creating something of your own, that goes through the roof. So for me, it was always important to have a voice of my own, to be able to pursue my own passions. And that's when I turned to Instagram two years ago. Do you think having the agency and having a lot of experience and know-how before starting your personal brand helped you out a lot? I wouldn't say that it has helped me a lot, but it definitely hasn't hurt me. The number one thing that having an agency helped me with was not being desperate in my Instagram presence. I see a lot of beginners starting out their journey and wanting to generate leads for their past selves, wanting to generate leads yesterday, having to generate leads yesterday. Otherwise, they would go out of business, they would have to go work at the 9 to 5, etc. So if you have a cushion, such as me having an agency or some financial buffer saved up, this is going to help you immensely because it gives you mental clarity and patience, which are both extremely important when building a social media presence. Yeah, and that that way, I guess you don't have to sacrifice the short, you don't have to sacrifice the long term to make the short term, um, short term work. When you started your personal brand, how quick did the results come? Did it like what was the timeline of, of getting from zero to 1K, 10K? You might not remember exactly, but like an approximate. I gained my first 10,000 followers in 54 days, which was extremely quickly, even for back in the day. Afterwards, my first 100,000 followers came in about one year. After 100,000 followers, I decided to focus more on my passion as well as nurturing my community. So for me, I love public speaking. So that is one thing that I have been working for. I've been speaking at some of the biggest conferences in the digital marketing world. So I'm quite happy and proud of of that. Makes sense, man. And yeah, once you've built, I mean, it's easier to maintain a steady pace of growth, like once you've built an audience as well. So like you say, you can take your foot a bit off the gas and do more speaking and help your clients and enjoy the fruits of your labor as well, I guess. When you talk about burnout and so on, what have you found has helped you the most with avoiding it or at least like mitigating the negative aspects of it, um, of, of constantly getting burnout, which I think a lot of people, especially in the social media space, will suffer from? 
the most important thing when it comes down to dealing with burnout for me has been setting the right boundaries. If we think about it, in the past, during the Industrial Revolution, most people were working with their hands in factories. And thus, when five o'clock hit and they had to go off work, they put down their tools, they went home and they relaxed. There was no way for them to go back to work and start working even if they wanted to. Whilst right now, most of us are working with our minds, which means that we cannot really stop our minds from thinking and wondering and deliberating about work issues. So even when you're, let's say, at bed with your spouse and you're trying to go to sleep, you can still be thinking about your work. So having the right boundaries in that aspect is extremely, extremely important in my mind. Yeah. What? boundaries have you put in place that have helped you with that like specifically one of the boundaries that i try to set and follow the most strictly is not using social media personally i use it as a professional tool rather than a personal tool for entertainment because i do believe that there is a lot of toxicity and the way that it trains our brain can truly be for the worse yeah they're good rules have you had those from the start or have you implemented them more recently in the beginning, I definitely didn't have these boundaries set out, so I have gone through multiple burnouts, but with time, I have been setting them, following them, building upon them, and that has truly made the biggest difference in my life. Of course, sometimes I go off route, but generally speaking, I try to follow the most important boundaries for me, which is not utilizing social media for personal goals, setting limits on the amount of time that I spent on my phone and being mindful about how and when I use it. I think that's natural to go through times where you don't, where you miss habits or you fall off and get back on. And I don't think anyone's perfect with that sort of stuff. So yeah, we're all human, but that's really that's really interesting. I've I try and do weeks where I'll spend a lot less time on my phone, like try and keep it to an hour a day sort of thing. I don't do it every week, just some weeks, um, or as like a reset. And you definitely you definitely notice it. It definitely helps a lot more with creativity and focus. And now moving more tactically to to Instagram specifically, you said you went from zero to ten k in fifty four days. Was it what helped you do that? Because that's that's a pretty impressive result, and not many people. Would hit that especially with like a personal brand or a business that's pretty awesome numbers what were like the main contributing factors to that do you think one of the biggest things which helped me in the beginning was researching the marketplace and understanding what was lacking because of that i knew that in my marketplace super practical value wasn't really found that's why I decided to double down on that and make my posts as practical as possible. Apologies to interrupt your listening experience, but I just wanted to jump in and say, if you're enjoying this podcast so far, I would really appreciate it if you went ahead and left a review on whatever platform you listen on. By simply spending five or 10 seconds to leave a review, it helps us reach more people and grow the podcast, which allows us to get better guests on and give you better content. So, if you're enjoying it, let me know with a review. Much appreciated. Thank you for your support and enjoy the rest of the interview. So what I recommend people doing is first step is always research. So do your research, do your homework, research what is happening in your marketplace on social media. Understand what people are posting, what is working for them and what is lacking in their presence. And based on that, create your own content strategy, giving out as much value as possible. Great advice. And especially that last one, a lot of people, I think a lot of people are under the idea that if they give away more, they won't have anything to sell. But 
I think if you look at it the other way, like if you don't give away more, you're not going to have an audience to sell to because if you're trying to hold it all back. If you were starting over today, would you still focus on carousels or would you be using, would you put your attention towards That's reels? That's a great question. I believe that carousels too have a role to play on Instagram. They're an invaluable format when it comes down to translating information in an educational way and in the storytelling way. But I definitely wouldn't be focusing in the same intensity on carousels as I would with reels. One of the main reasons for that is that one reel can turn into four pieces of content with the snap of the button. A reel can be posted as a YouTube short, a reel can be posted on TikTok, a reel can be posted on Pinterest as a story idea. So for me, short form vertical content pieces are going to be the future of social media marketing. And if you learn how to utilize short form video content right now with reels, you're definitely not going to be running out of monetary opportunities in the future. What have you found has been the best things that have helped you when it comes to short form video content, actually seeing results with it? Have you noticed any trends of what yeah. works, what doesn't? There are dozens of trends and new ones are popping out all, all the time, but I believe that the fundamental pieces of the puzzle when it comes down to creating a great short form video content is retention rate. That's the same for YouTube, it's the same for Instagram, even though we cannot really see that information publicly right now. This is something which I hope that they can fix. So retention rate, and then making sure that the video is communicating value in a visual way. So video content is all about the visuals, it's all about the body language, it's all about the transformation you depict. So if you can create something which is impactful for our eyes, for our senses, then that is guaranteed to perform well. So for me, the, the reels which flop are most likely a reel which either doesn't communicate value properly or is too complex and doesn't retain retention. So if you can focus on communicating entirely through the visuals of the video without sound, so an exercise which I do is I rewatch all of my reels on mute. And if the video can communicate properly what I'm trying to communicate in terms of value whilst it's muted, then that video is going to be performing well. Then there are, of course, ways for you to optimize the retention rate, such as whooping your reels, making sure that there aren't fewer parts. You can also make sure that the hook in the beginning is strong enough and you give multiple reasons for people to watch to the end. You don't let people know when it's going to be ending. So there are a lot of tricks that you can implement when it comes down to retention rate, but making sure you focus on retaining attention and then making sure that the video itself is communicating in an impactful visual way are the two main principles which I try to follow with every single reel of mine. A great advice which I have when it comes down to creating solid short form video content is consuming solid short form video content in the first place. My mantra is if you want to become a great content creator, you better consume great content to begin with. And, and do you find that gives you good ideas exactly. to what's working, what's not working? Exactly. Just and it often is more yeah. beneficial to consume that content piece from outside of your industry. So if you're in marketing, you don't only have to consume marketing videos. Watch real estate videos, watch business videos. You can even watch makeup videos if that's something you're into because it enables you to learn from everything. For example, how a person has does different transitions, how a person records the video itself, what type of music are they using, etc. So you can learn from any industry and I have found the best success when combining ideas from different industries within my own. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've noticed that as well, and, and it's a great way to often bring new ideas because otherwise yeah. you're almost recycling exactly. what people have already seen in the industry. You can bring in new ideas, new concepts, which elevate your content compared to everyone else's. What um, what are you doing aside from – do you do anything aside from subtitles to help communicate your message yep. without audio? You said that you were watching over your reels, making yep. sure it communicates well. Is there anything you're doing aside from sub, yeah, I can um, actually give subtitles? you an example. I started a new series with my, within my Instagram page, which is all about writing diagrams like these ones within my notebook. And then recording them. So that has seen tremendous results. It's actually one of my best performing reels within the last six months. So that is also an opportunity for you to first create a reel which is a little bit different than what most people are used to. And then also make sure that you're retain, retaining attention because people always want to see the next page. And the fact that it's a faceless reel makes it a lot more accessible to people as well. So including diagrams can work phenomenal as well including examples can also work quite well i've done a few reels in which i literally start off with a viral tiktok video and then the second portion is me explaining it or i start with a normal hook so for example a mind-blowing hack to improve your marketing then i showcase an example from a popular media so i did a post about stranger things and how we can sell better by understanding the psychology that um, Stranger Things utilizes. So I gave a specific example from the show and that performed really well as well. So for me, it is all about finding creative ways to show examples and if possible, also include some elements such as notebooks because they work really, really well. That's for educational content pieces. For non-educational content pieces, let's say you're showcasing a product. So if I want to sell this camera, for example, there are 101 product ideas and trends online, which again, as long as you communicate visually uh, the message you're trying to get across, things can work out. Another great uh, exercise that they do is whenever I create something, you look it through your own set of eyes, which have been biased because you came up with the idea. You wrote the script for the idea. You saw the idea. It's normal for you to be biased. That's why what I do is I show my finished results to my fiance. And if she says that, yes, this is something that I understand, there's no problem, and she isn't in my niche, then that view is great. But if I see her eyes getting confused, she not knowing what is happening, she has to rewatch it multiple times, then I definitely haven't done a great job with the visual communication aspect. That's a good way to do it. Showing, getting yeah. some outside opinions on it to, yeah, see, see how people react to it. How would you recommend people go? Like, if someone's watching this now and they've started to build their audience and they've got no monetization in place at the moment, which way would you recommend they build it out? Would you go the book first? Would you go the the higher ticket agency first? How would you approach that? If I had to start all over again, I would probably focus on my high ticket service first because that is the service which can make the biggest difference in your life with the least amount of volume. So for me, definitely focus on high ticket first, sell something for let's say one, two thousand dollars per month. And then when you have that financial cushion, you can afford creating a course, you can afford creating a book, etc. 
So start with a high ticket and then work your way backwards. And for people who want to learn more about how to build their funnels, how to present them, I definitely recommend the 100 million offer book by Alex Ramosi. Most of you probably know him, but he's amazing. I, I definitely agree and we'll go about it the same way. I think um, Alex Ramosi talked about it as almost you never want to fully outsell fully to sell the demand like you want to make sure there's always so you sell the highest ticket first and heaps of people want it you can only handle a few people and then you create something that goes to more people and you keep people interested and in wanting to buy as opposed to selling everyone now you you briefly touched on earlier yeah how if you learn how to create short form content you can you've instantly got four pieces because you've got instagram you've got youtube shorts tiktok pinterest do you give much attention to these yep. other platforms or how are you, yep. how are you incorporating main, them as a part of your strategy? My main purpose for these platforms is from an analytical standpoint, mainly because Instagram insights for Reels right now are horrendous. So if you are trying to optimize your content for retention, which is one of the metrics which means the most when it comes down if a video is going to be popular or not, you cannot actually see it within Instagram. You cannot see where people are dropping off. You cannot see what is the percentage on average in which people are watching your videos, which I believe is a huge, huge downside for being a creator on Instagram. That's why I upload every single video of mine first to TikTok and YouTube in order to see how it performs there, in order to see analytics. And then based on that, I'm uploading it to my Instagram uh, page. Now, this is one of the reasons it's obvious why I do it but there are, there are also a number of benefit of benefits when it comes down to repurposing your content on different uh, social media platforms. Pinterest has been one of the one the social media platforms which has been bringing in the most surprises for me because I've probably spent fifteen minutes mm. one year ago uploading my best performing reels to the platform then, and ever since then I've been generating consistently yeah. fifty to 100,000 impressions per month from five content pieces, which I have been uploading a long time ago. Another huge opportunity when it comes down to Pinterest is the fact that it's search-based platform, not a community-based one. So that means that when it comes down to optimizing your content to appear on Google, Pinterest is a phenomenal choice, YouTube as well. So for me, repurposing your social media content it's a no-brainer simply because it has so much upside for so little effort from your side. I don't recommend you starting to do it from the get-go. I don't recommend you starting to post on four platforms in the beginning. I recommend you picking one platform and sticking with it until you scale and then building out the processes which will enable you to scale on multiple platforms at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Focus on one, get that velocity, get it, get it growing exactly. well and, and then start looking into using others. Now, with your agency, have you yes. have you built out a team yeah, of employees or is it just, just you? We have five yeah. full time and then we ha we're able to scale to 10 people for certain projects. So I've been able to uh, build it from a uh, solopreneur, from a freelancer. That's how I began. I then decided to scale a little bit more. I hired one person. From one person, we jumped to three. From three, we jumped to five. I could definitely have increased it even more, but that's not the goal of mine. Uh, my goal hasn't been to build the biggest multi-million dollar agency. I don't believe that that is going to bring me happiness. 
Uh, on the other side, I believe that keynote speaking is going to be my cup of tea. That's why I'm investing more time towards that and less time towards my agency and just maintaining the level I want to uh, to have. That's why, for example, 8% of the leads which come from my agency, I don't take simply because I don't believe that they are the right fits and they can afford doing that. I'm yeah. desperate. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a little bit the same. I'm very picky with the people that we work with and... I, I can't say this as a fact because I haven't built a massive agency, but it seems like there is that sweet yep. spot where you've got sort of three to 10 people working with you. You can have pretty good margins. Yep. There's not a ton of stress. You know, there's, there's obviously some stress, but not crazy levels. But then if you're on a scale, the profit margins go right, right down. Things get a lot more out of hand. And I guess that's the sacrifice yep. you make if you want to build Your something massive. Your input is going to be changing. Yeah, your input is going ground, to be so, so if you stick Tesla. with an agency which is in the smaller, case, uh, smaller size, your input can quite often be associated with what you love doing, which is creative work. Whilst the more you scale, the more your input is focused on managing the business yeah. you've just built. So for me, I know that I'm not the type of person who enjoys managing a business. I'm the type of person who enjoys building one. That's why I decided to stick at this level because I understood my goals and my priorities. And earlier you asked me a question, which was how would I, what advice I would give for people who are seeking to monetize. That's incredibly pivotal, understanding the vision you have for yourself in the next few years. Because from that point onwards, when you know where you want to be, it's way easier for you to reverse engineer the steps you need to take. And I know how difficult that might be for a lot of of people. I was that type of person myself. But as long as you have a rough idea and you decide that you don't have to pick a super specific, perfect goal for yourself, which is never going to change, it's fine for your plans to be changing. And as long as you plan for your plan to be changing, you're going to be wildly successful. Yeah. Great advice. Um... To wrap things up a little bit, what would be, and I guess along that same piece of giving advice, what would be to someone starting out today wanting to, to build an audience online in 2022 onwards, aside from creating reels in short form video, what's your best advice you can give them to help them My grow and build an audience? My advice dropping your expectations. If you expect nothing, everything is going to be a surprise. And when you have the right mindset, social media becomes easy because growth on social media isn't complex. It comes down to traffic generation and conversion. If you have these two elements and anyone can measure them right now by checking their profile visits for traffic and then checking how many of those people end up following you, you can get pretty much to any social media point you want to. 10,000 followers, no issue. 100,000 followers, no issue. 1 million followers, no issue. Again, in terms of practical steps you set, reels can be optimized a lot. Growth can be optimized a lot. These things can happen and the practical steps aren't going to be the issue for most people. What's going to be the issue is the mental barriers that they have in their head. What they believe is going to be appropriate results for them in 30 days. And if they don't reach it, they're going to be quitting. No, that's why I say drop your expectations, set some goals and look through an analytical standpoint. If things aren't happening, try analyzing from an outside perspective. Hire somebody to help you. Hire somebody just to give you feedback. This is what I did when I was optimizing my short form video content. I hired somebody who can, uh, who I can share my content with so he can tell me, you need to change this. You need to change this. This is your bias that you are coming up with because that's incredibly important. 
you need an outside perspective. So for me, drop your expectations, make sure that you're creating because you want to, not from a place of desperation. And then again, be patient because growth won't come overnight. Just as Rome wasn't built in a day, your social media empire won't be either. Yeah, definitely takes time. Where, where do you where do you find someone who can give you solid, unbiased advice like that? Because that seems I haven't actually seen many people yep. that have hired hired I, someone to I do that. The creators where I do you go to for that? Uh, relate to and the creators which I personally uh, or look at their content and go wow. So for me, when I was hiring my uh, video coach, I tr- looked through hundreds and hundreds of accounts until I found the one which has a content style which resonated with me and I wanted to strive towards. Again, it comes down to the advice. If you want to create great content, you need to create uh, consume great content first. So for me, it was all about consuming great reviews. So I learned the format yeah. and then trying to replicate it myself with my own unique spin. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Now, I really appreciate your time having you on. Where can people find more of you um, and, and get more from what you do? I'll put all the links below so if people don't have to type it out, but if you just want to leave it on my own, you can go and, and check it out. That is the place I am most focused on. Having said that, if you are more into business, you can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. So that's my prior, uh, pattern of priority right now when I'm scaling my uh, keynote opportunities more in the business side of things. So LinkedIn and interest up Instagram are going to be my go-to channels. Thanks again. Really appreciate your time. I think you've shared a lot of awesome insights here that hopefully people have picked up on and are going to take action on. I'll link everything down below. So if you guys want to go and check out more of Harry, then yeah, check out the links in the description. And um, we'll see you all next time.